Welcome to the Ultra Working Podcast. As a little aside, dear listener, you might be listening in the gym, in your car. I hope you're having a wonderful day wherever you are. Where the hosts of this podcast are podcasting from is the freaking dark. The power is out. The power is out. And it's like one in the morning and nobody's ready to go to bed yet. And so Chris and I are sitting here in the dark uh, with the power out. And we're like, you know what? We're making a podcast. The mics seem to, if you listen to it, if you're listening to it, the mics worked adequately uh, pinned on. So Chris, thank you for podcasting in the dark with me. By the way, it's a little spooky because I can see the blue light yep. on the mic and I can see your Apple watch glowing and I can't see you. It's kind of like a, 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 like a, like a Terminator movie or something. There's like some very muscular uh, thing over there with blinking lights on. But um, it's like sensory deprivation podcasting. Okay. And then by the way, if you're driving, like it's bright, keep, keep on it. Keep driving well, please. Um, all right. So the conversation that we just broke out into, and I'm like, let's podcast. Nothing really can't use the internet very yep. well right now. Um, was we were talking about how you switched from QWERTY, which is the default uh, keyboard, right? If you mm -hmm. look at the upper left part of a keyboard, it will spell the word QWERTY. Q is in the top left uh, corner of the alphabet, then W-E-R-T-Y. And uh, you can redo your keyboard to other configurations. So my understanding yep. is that uh, QWERTY was like just like a legacy. There was like some reason they did it with typewriters and like they wouldn't jam or right. I don't know. I've heard different stories about yeah. it, but, but QWERTY is not the ideal theoretical yeah. keyboard, right? So one, it's the standard, so don't change. Everybody uses it, but it's not ideal. And you decide to switch to Colmac. Can we, before we talk about the learning process, mm -hmm. skill acquisition practice, which is the interesting mm -hmm. thing, let's just overview, because maybe not everybody knows what this yeah. is about. Why'd you switch from QWERTY to Colmac? Um, how it came about was I decided to get a mechanical keyboard, mostly because I, I was switching to like a, you know, a laptop and big monitor setup. I needed a keyboard anyway. I, I thought it would uh, add a bit of an element of some auditory feedback. I really like these mechanical keyboards and the way they, they feel and the way they sound when you type on them. So I got this fairly nice keyboard that I could you know, plug in. It has all of these LED colors. And I realized, hmm, interesting, this thing is completely programmable. So not only is it mechanical and has all of these features, I can actually change the, the layouts around and I can set it up in any which way that I want. And I'm not exactly sure how it came about. I think I remembered that at um, you know, the company that runs WordPress, um, they actually have a, almost like a bounty for their developers to switch to a different keyboard layout. I'm not sure why they do it, but I had that in my mind. And I thought this was you know, beginning 2020, March 2020. So, uh, you know, a lot of people, including me, had slightly more time on their hands than they otherwise would have. And I thought, hey, this is an interesting project. I'm switching to this new keyboard. Let me try to see what happens if I'm also switching to a new keyboard layout. And so I did some preliminary research into, um, so there's QWERTY, and then there are a bunch of other keyboard layouts. Um, there is Dvorak, which is maybe the most, uh, well second known. most popular second most, most popular. popular alternative layout yeah, yeah. Um, and um, there are some benefits to for each of these the the reason that i switched to colmac is that it is um, it actually let's say starts from the qwerty layout and it only replaces a certain amount of keys it doesn't replace every single key so some keys stay the same but some of the 
primary keys, the most often used keys, those are being switched in positions and, and where they appear on the new layout. Yeah, all right. So, and then the general theory as well on the keyboards is that, you know, we're all typing a lot yeah. these days and QWERTY is not ideal in the long term for hand strength, not getting carpal tunnel syndrome. There's right. a variety of theories like that. Yep. Maybe yep. in different layouts, there's more speed, more accuracy, stuff like that. Yeah, um, so with, with these other keyboard layouts, your fingers have to move between lines less. So you can write a significantly higher amount of words without your fingers having to move between lines. Um, so at the same words per minute, your fingers have to travel less distance and less fast. So you could be writing 100 words per minute on QWERTY versus 100 words per minute on Dvorak or Comac, and it would look much more relaxed in the latter two uh, layouts. Interesting. So in theory, over the course of a lifetime, this is going to add up to a lot of wrist and finger yeah. movement. And maybe in theory, you would think if you reduce an amount of movements needed, in theory, the top speed could be higher in, in physics. Maybe, maybe it's negligible. I've seen the research that goes both ways on this, but in theory, you might have a higher top end speed if retrained. I think the current world champions, the fastest typers these days, are not using QWERTY anymore. They're using some other keyboard layout. And that maybe shows us that the theoretical or practical limit there is, is, is higher, potentially. Yeah, and I've looked into this enough to see that there's clearly some gains there. It's a freaking project. Yeah. It's like not a no big deal. We're, in fact, we're yeah. going to talk about that today. So it's, you know, I go back and forth. I'm a really fast QWERTY typist, and I'm like, well, right. I want to take the damage on, right. you know, but we're going to talk about all that today. So the point of this show, right, the interesting point of this show is not per se about the keyboard layouts. This is kind of grist for the mill about skill acquisition and yeah. plateaus and things, because here you have a very um, an activity that was very natural that you investigate mm -hmm. doing a new way that you're going to do a lot and it's going to be awkward mm -hmm. at first. So it's, it's actually yeah. really like a, a very cool thing where you yeah. have a lot of very easily tracked data on what your words per minute are, your accuracy yeah. is very easy to track. Um, it's something you've done a bunch, so you're intimately familiar with what typing was like before. Right. And so you can feel when it's different and spot the errors and so on and so forth, right? Right. So yeah, I'm, I'm so okay, you made you made the jump, you got the, 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 sweet, the sweet keyboard, the mechanical keyboard, mm -hmm. and I've for the listener out there, I've seen Chris's keyboard, and it's a it's 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 a thing of beauty. These these mechanical keyboards. Another topic for another time. Maybe a right. gear show at some point. But um, it's a really cool keyboard, right? And uh, so you said, oh, "Hey, I'm gonna switch. I'm gonna switch to Colmac." There's some reasons too. Yeah. Maybe some high end speed gains. Maybe less wrist injury. It's also just cool and interesting. Mm -hmm. um, and so you did the shift and. Yeah, what was what was the, the the curve like on on learning? I remember what made this conversation break out, and I'm like, hey, let's flip those mics on. Was you saying, man, I was I was like molasses, <laughs> you yeah. know, in the beginning. It was it was yeah. I, I dropped down from yeah. fast typist to, to to kindergarten speed typist. Yeah, so I mean, you, we type a lot. You know, it's it's a primary mode of communicating with with your computer, and um, the beginning is absolutely not. Fun. You want to get the work done and you're now actively being hindered to a certain degree by your inability to go faster than you, you want. Like there is, there is, um, so typing is a thing where I'm, I'm a, I was, let's say, an eight finger typist. I would not write perfectly the 10 finger system. I would have my own little things, but I would basically blind type. I would not look at the keys. I would just type and 
sort of your, you have the thought of the word you want to write and your fingers somehow translate that. So it's an automa automatic way that your fingers type. They just move. And initially, you really have to manually overwrite every single mechanical input that your fingers want to do. You're like, I want to write an E. It's no longer in the top left. It's now in the right um, um, fourth finger from the right on my right hand. So I have to be like, no, not top left, but right. And it's like this for every letter. It's an, it's an abort the first signal that you want to send and manually switch it to the correct one. Yeah, and you've, you've literally clicked the E key, I don't know, hundreds of thousands of times yeah. in your life. So it's a deep, your mind has a word with an E in it, yeah. right? We're going to Berlin, be not top left, not top left, right hand. It's, it's like, a, it's this constant sending a board rerouting i don't know that that's how i can describe it and it really takes a little bit of like takes some time initially to 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 get that and you start off with simple words you start off i use um, a, a type trainer at the beginning that will start off with just um four letters then adds a fifth and adds a sixth and you and you slowly work your way up until you're using the complete uh, keyboard layout, the complete alphabet. Yeah, that's cool. And by the way, this is something I strongly recommend. I've, I've looked into, should I switch keyboard layouts? And I think that's a interesting call. If you get through to the other side, it's probably worthwhile, but is it worth it? Depends on how busy someone is. Yeah. Playing typing games to get speed up on QWERTY, mm. if you're not fast, is way worth it. I did this when I was a, like a preteen, a teenager, because I yeah. played these like proto, uh, th these games were like before World of Warcraft, they were all text games, but yeah. you fight other players. And just being able to enter more commands more accurately and faster means you win. So I want to smoke everybody. Right. So I got my typing speed up really, right. really high playing these, these typing games. So I do recommend that to everybody. So you sound like you set very like beginner exercises. So you didn't just start trying to compose emails in a frustrating way on Colmac. You instead played the typing game. You allocated, you allocated time to doing that to, to start retraining yeah. those instincts and, and getting the, the accuracy up. Um, I did a... So I think there are different strategies out there. Some people recommend to maybe put deliberate time into practicing Colmac, but then maybe switching back to QWERTY sometimes or for their work or like, you know, switching it up. I went 100%. So I really, um, the moment I switched over, um, my layout was on Colmac. I never switched back to QWERTY because I really just thought, hey, I want to go through this valley in one push come out the other side and then just be done with it. And um, that's, that's, that's how I did it. And it was at the beginning very, like there were certainly some, some struggles. What I can say is that it's because of the data that you're getting, it's kind of extremely rewarding because you do see, you get, you get, the, the, you get your typing speed and you get your error rate and you can see your progression in both of those metrics um, as, as time goes on. And for every 30 minutes you invest, you initially can probably expect a certain increase in your average typing speed and a decrease in your error rate. And uh, this is something where, uh, for me, this was super interesting in terms of the general learnings about learning. I learned a little bit how my brain rewired and I could 
watch it almost in like live. I could watch how those like neural um, connections that connect the E button to my left hand and the top right were rewired to now connect them to the right hand and the, and the right side. And um, here's how it went for me. Um, you slowly start in, in introducing more buttons and more, more keys and you're um, basically like you, you work up four letters and you're, you, you hit a certain amount of error rate and, and speed. You introduce two more keys, your error rate will jump up and your speed will decrease. And then you get to baseline, let's say, with these six keys and you introduce two more and your error rate goes up and your speed goes down and then you work your way up until you're decent on these eight keys and then you increase it until you have the whole thing. And, um, you know, in learning we have, uh, this is a thing where we kind of expect learning to happen linearly. Yeah. And what I certainly, so I could clearly see the patterns of progression, plateau, breakthrough happen over and over again. This is a thing that would, I would constantly hit, I would increase, I would jump up, I would hit the plateau. Uh, I wouldn't see any improvements for a certain amount of time. I would just stick with it. I would sometimes even decrease slightly. And then I would see another breakthrough and a jump up and my error rate would drop and my speed would increase. And this went all the way up to um, me basically using the whole keyboard layout. Now I'm at all keys that are available. I'm, I'm, I'm writing full sentences. And I stayed at that level, like at full utilization of the keyboard for quite a while where my error rate uh, was staying about the same, speed was staying about the same. And then, and it's really cool to see this in the data, some of the tools I was using, they give you these really nice graphs. And then there was this moment in time, I don't know, it happened maybe three or four weeks in, where the error rate started dropping. It just started like significantly going down in almost a straight line um, very quickly. So there was this, this fight to the hill then this long plateau at the very top, and then this, I don't know, for whatever reason, moment in time where now everything up here had been connected properly and it just clicked. And from that moment on, my error rate went down and I basically reached the level of, okay, now I got um, competence in this new layout. Yeah, and so first off, listener, Chris did an elaborate set of mental gestures pointing at his head and, and his fingers and things like that. So you didn't get the visual tactile thing. I could see the outline in the dark with the glowing lights on. Um, you just said so many fascinating things. And let's start with the most recent one and let's hop back to some, some other very interesting points that we can learn about learning. Um, you know, I've had the exact same pattern. So probably the last... Um, uh, kind of, um, you know, some skills are, are, are very composite skills where they bring in a lot of things, right? So if you want to host a dinner party, mm -hmm. there's skills, there's you're cooking, if you're cooking for it and you're inviting people and you're setting up the atmosphere and choosing a music playlist, but it's like a composite of a bunch of different things, right? right? So it's, it's a little bit different. Yeah. Um, same with product development, right? Where it brings in a bunch of different things. The last thing I did that was a pure thing that was maybe less composite that I 
trained up in and got good at was, was probably yoga. I wouldn't say I'm good at yoga, but I went from being a very clumsy beginner to a slightly less clumsy, um, low intermediate in it. And, you know, just like how you described at first, it's like very, very awkward. Am I hurting myself? This is so awkward. What am I doing? To like, okay, I think I got it and I'm doing it. But I was like not doing it deeply. And then it's like, I understand where my anatomy is. I understand where the muscles and the bones are. Mm. And then it's like, click. And I could get bam. And then like gains, 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 gains. Right. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. And like, that was so cool. Yeah. But I think this is not what people expect learning to look like. People expect learning to look like those initial steps that you did. Yeah. Where it's like, I put in half an hour, I get like reliable gains. You know, yeah. like the first few sessions, you're five, 10% better at yeah. the end of the session. Yeah. But then there's that that plateau where, I the, I guess this is where we flag that we're, we're, we're speculating irresponsibly and that we're not neuroscientists, uh, even though we like neuroscience papers. What the heck is going on? Let's speculate irresponsibly here. We don't, dear listener, we don't know uh, what's going on. Or maybe Chris knows, I don't know. Well, what, what, what's going on? There's the rapid ascent. Yeah. And then there's like a plateau where like gains don't happen while you're doing something. And then bam, on the other side of it, uh, uh, not every skill follows this curve, but a lot of simple skills I, I think do, I'm pretty sure do. Um, and typing is so measurable. Mm. We'll get to that in a second. We'll talk about the measurability of it, which is beautiful. And not every skill has that, unfortunately. Yep. But why? Like why, 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 what might be going on here? This is really funny. Um, yeah, this is really speculative. I mean, we can, you know, just from everything I've read, it's probably there, you know, if you look at what's probably going on in the brain is, uh, is you know, this, these pathways um, that you, as you're using them often are being, the brain is sort of, you know, putting roads down and, and paving them and making sure that these roads that are being heavily used are easier to be used and I think some of that that has to do with like you know myelin um, wrapping some of the, the the neural pathways um, but I'm not sure exactly what happens here it seems like um, maybe if there's just it's almost like you know every single maybe road in the system has to be has to reach like a critical threshold or something along those lines of only when everything is sufficiently well functioning, then the whole thing can come together and, and, and produce uh, like a jump in your performance. That's, um, I mean, my closest theory here. Yeah, yeah, literally the word threshold jumped out at, at me as well. So it's like some, like, okay, we've got the lines of this and, you know, some threshold of like, it goes down to being more and more automatic. And again, to yeah. very wildly irresponsibly speculate, um, you know, it's like, it gets back to the yeah. E is the right hand now. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? So maybe some amount of fractions of a millisecond or whatever gets shaved off. Yeah. And then, and then maybe there's some more processing power available or some, you know, it's so, instant i'd snap my fingers but it would, it would mess with the audio quality but I would, i'd make a snap right like it's it like it gets to some threshold where the operation is fast enough that there's like enough space time something irresponsible yeah. speculation to then continue learning so maybe the even though you don't see it the difference of a fraction for four fractions of whatever a millisecond yeah. getting down to two right. is not noticeable for you, the human right. operator, but th that's half. That's half the processing power required, frees up other 
I don't know. We're speculating here. We don't know what we're talking about. Yeah, I mean, the good thing with this is, you know, I'm a, I, I don't know. I don't know. Do engineers always care how things work? They yes. ultimately. Yeah, they do. <laughs> no, okay. they, no all the engineers like, I really do. Happy yeah, they won't like, special, but why this? But why this? I'm like, I, I don't know, man. It just works. No. <laughs> um, you know, with this, uh, even if we don't have a final theory of, of like what exactly is happening, just knowing that whatever reason, uh, it is the way things often work is super helpful. And I thought about this example. I think back about, I don't know, in like the last two years, I, I, there, there, there isn't a lot where I can think of, I so vividly remember when I started and it was so difficult and I stuck with it and I went through these valleys and I went through these um, times of frustration and times of elation, and again, frustration and plateau, and then ultimately I got it. And this sort of as a you know metaphor or as an example that I can now use for all sorts of other skills that I wanna ac acquire. Like, yeah, it's probably going to look like the time that I learned this new keyboard layout. And when things get tough, and when I feel like I'm not making progress, I'm actually making progress, I'm moving uh, further on this plateau and I'm moving closer to this this magical moment in time and when things happen and I'm, I'm making a almost like a step function um, improvement in, in my in my ability that is so cool you know a, a phrase I like is is mastery anywhere is mastery everywhere I think you get good at anything even if you switch fields if somebody becomes a fantastic guitar player that makes them better at a lot of other things. They get into right. cooking, they get into language acquisition, they get into programming. It's like there's, even though, uh, you know, putting your hands on the frets in a certain position and hitting a certain string a certain way and, and, and if it's electric guitar, tuning yeah. your, your amp and stuff, yeah. whatever, that has nothing to do with like cooking a pasta. Right. Do you know what I mean? But the process of, okay, I'm gonna do some things with my hands, I'm gonna acquire, I'm gonna be clumsy at first, and, you know, mm -hmm. whatever. Mm -hmm. um, so that's really cool. Something I'd like to flag and discuss a little bit that unfortunately not all skills have this characteristic is instant feedback. I think one yeah. of the things that probably made it so pleasurable as well as so um, trackable and understandable is, um, and, and for some listeners, they've played typing games. If you haven't, like, like, Play something like I think you Google Z type typing game. Z type one word, and like there's a million in it. Z types, fine. Like it's a fine. Like whatever, you just find anything. It's free. It's online. Whatever. Um, they'll all show you your words per minute, your WPM, yeah. Yeah. and your accuracy, how many errors you mm -hmm. made, right? So it's very like you know exactly, you know, because if you go play if you go play a, a pickup basketball game with your friends, like you know, there's like different things needed at different times. Maybe shooting free throws by yourself yeah. in basketball could follow that but even then it's complex bodily movements that you know whether your shot went in or not but you know maybe you got a little lucky that it hit the rim or whatever first typing is really like it's a large sample within even a small amount of time um and it's extremely trackable so right that's a good thing when you're learning that's like very helpful in this field for learning isn't it super helpful um another field where this you know applies is, is maybe playing chess online chess, you get a rating. And I wish we, <laughs> we could somehow, you know, uh, create a numerical value of this or rating of this, this um, you know, 
it really tells you a lot. Like it's it, this number really is is significant. Like if you play someone who has a higher rating, then with this pretty good likelihood in terms of um, you know probability, he will end up winning you know six out of ten games or something along those lines. Like if he if he's slightly ranked above you, and uh, yeah, with with the the typing game, seeing those numbers, also seeing they add an element of um, competitiveness because they show you how you're faring against everybody else who's been using this typing trainer. So, for example, on, you know, Colmec at the end, I'm like at the 99th percentile for top speed and I'm in the, you know, so-and-so percentile for average speed. And this adds an, a component of, okay, let me see how far I can, you know, get here. Maybe I can make it to the 90th percentile on average speed as well. Um, I, I wish we had this for, I don't know, for math. Here's, here's your, your um, accumulated math score. You're a 1500 on, on math or, or things of, of that nature. You know, I, I actually have heard about some experiments in tutoring. I want to say it was something like, I'm going to get this wrong. I'll have to look it up later. But it was something like, um, I want to say it was like the U.S. Navy did one thing, like a security training thing, where it was like self-paced instead of in mm. the classroom. And like the more you solved uh, security problems or whatever they were quickly, they would give you more problems. So it was like a dynamic mm. learning thing. So like if you were like really like a star of the class, you could get on a more and more advanced problems, but it would also show you your records and they were like really, and it like took off and everyone's like, well, this is the future of learning. And then like, there's a, like amazing research out there that like is not actualized. Um, it's interesting you bring up chess. Chess also has the, the chess notation, right? Like pawn to e4. So you can look it through everything in the game. Yeah. And now with the, the different chess engines, I think uh, Stockfish is the most common one, but uh, that's this available widely. And then there's all sorts of other different chess engines. It can say like, hey, we think this was an inaccuracy or this yeah. was a blunder. So you can yeah. actually study the moment that a game went off the rails right. for yourself. And, like, and that's why I lost. Or the higher ELO. ELO is a, a, a chess... Uh, it's like a ELO is also worth looking up and worth talking about sometime, but it's when two people play each other, um, it go like uh, the stronger player with the higher ELO gets less points when they beat a weaker player and the weaker player gets more points. So it, it equilibrates, right? So if Magnus Carlsen beat me in chess, he would get like zero points or like a fraction of a point. Yeah. You know what I mean? If I beat Magnus Carlsen, I'll get like 50 points or something, right? right. So it, equilibra it equilibrates over time. So that's interesting. Chess has this, typing games have this. You know what occurs to me is increasingly with sensors, and we talked a little bit about sensors, for the first time ever runners, and, and we're seeing some breakthrough performance out of it, can get stride length, VO2 mm -hmm. max, mm -hmm. heart rate data, yeah. and stuff like that. So, yeah. and, and, and there are some runners that are starting to train like that. So the ability to get, and I mean, heck, we do that. Habits are a very abstract thing. We do that with, with lights, ultraworking.com slash lights if people want to try it out free like we built a habits tracker that scores them it's pleasurable to see them go green as you check them off and whatever um so that's interesting that by having numerical feedback objective feedback very quickly you have benchmarks of like hey i'm 30th percentile i can clearly keep improving as opposed to like am i doing this well i guess so whereas right. other things like how you use your task management system or how you do a project plan or how you do design much more abstract it's harder to know it's it's, it's very subjective where you need somebody that has more expertise or a mentor to tell you whether you're even on the right track and getting better or not and it's less clear if you're in a plateau 
as to why. So that, that's very interesting that you get a very pure learning experience from Colmac because you get this really very objective data on average speed, yeah. top speed, and accuracy. Yeah, you get, I mean, you get super direct feedback. Um, I think that's after you have this initial phase where it's, you know, as I said, it's slightly challenging because you want to get your work done, but you also want to learn this thing. Um, but in terms of uh, fun and, and feedback, I think the this immediate knowing very precise where you stand and, and, and how you're improving and getting this, this direct um, interaction between the, the work you put in and the results that you see in your data reflected um, makes it, I don't know, I guess for a certain personality type, super appealing to, to stick with it. And, and jazz is another one of those things where it can really get, uh, I mean, can really get drawn into it because you, you get this, you know, I, I, I study some positions, I learn the, um, I learn certain patterns, I, I look at the fun, fundamentals, and then I can almost immediately, or within a reasonable amount of time, see my, my rating go up um, as I implement some of the new things that I've learned. Yeah, that's super cool. Um, just flagging and pulling out some other points for the listeners, because you, you gave some gems and trying to concretize them for people. Um, seems like there's a choice in the beginning, mm -hmm. um, you know, when you're going to do a new way of things of, should I, you know, put my, put my toe in the pool, yeah. you know, a little bit, should I do some training sessions or should I full on commit? Um, I think it's worth talking about that for a second. I feel okay. like that's a very, I feel like that's a very personal decision and a very like domain specific decision. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, so, you know, there's equivalence. Like if you're going to a foreign country, do you refuse to use your native language right. there? Do you know what I mean? And just like refuse right. um, would be another example of this. I feel like if you were darn sure and pretty sure that the method you're using is correct. So if you didn't know if Colmac was actually any good or not, it was very experimental, uh, who knows, yeah. right? But if it's a proven thing and you're sure and you're willing to push through the other side, then yeah, cool. I mean, let me just front load all the pain and all the commitment and just get through the nasty beginner phase as quickly as possible so you're not falling back on QWERTY as a crutch. Is that kind of how you were thinking about that? Um, yeah, I would say that my, I, my, my fear was that if I would occasionally switch back to QWERTY that, uh, you know, I might, I don't know, it's uh, going from the, the cold pool into the warm pool and then having to go back into the cold. I'm like, if I just stay in, it will eventually get slightly warmer over time. Um, same with language learning. I had my best results language learning when I was really doing immersion. I think in this particular case is that it's really hard. I'm not sure if there are people out there who can write 100 words per minute Colmac and can do the same thing in QWERTY without mm. having an initial phase of switching. Um, I saw this, this, this is kind of, I saw a video of someone trying to learn how to ride a bicycle that had some complex mechanical construction in the middle where the way that you have to pull on the, on the handlebar is actually reversed. So instead of like when you go and go to the left, you like pull on the left handlebar, you actually now have to push on the left side. It's like really confusing. And this person trained themselves to use this 
this uh, this this bicycle, and then they couldn't ride a normal bicycle anymore. And um, eventually, they would get to a point where they could switch between them, but there was would always be a bit of a switching cost attached to it. And for me, it's the same with the, with these typing um, with these layouts. I can type on a QWERTY keyboard, but it definitely will be confusing at the beginning and I'm absolutely slower than I used to be in, in the past. And then when I go back to Colmac, I will again have like a five minute period where I'm kind of confused about how to use this. So I think, especially initially, when you're, when you're trying to first get this skill, um, I would say it would have been tougher for me to make a back and forth versus just sticking with it once and, and pushing through. But as, as, you, as you mentioned, this may be domain specific. Maybe for some other skills, it's actually totally fine to do it that way. Yeah, that's, that's really interesting. What immediately jumps into mind is I went to a Krav Maga class for the first time. So I, was, um, I knew I wanted to, to see you know, how people lived in, in some parts of the world that were not as developed. Mm -hmm. I knew, you know, I want to be smart. I would maybe be in some dangerous places. And so I went to do Krav Maga, which is a very like, it's not like a sparring martial art. It's like a get yourself out of trouble yep. in a freaking hurry uh, martial art. And it's it's one that you can pick up really fast and have an ability to get yourself out of bad situations in a hurry. You're not it's not the most elegant thing in the world. It's, it's, uh, it's, it's just like how to apply a lot of force and then get out of dodge, right? It's, it's a keep yourself safe thing. I remember the very first class, instructor, big Eastern European guy, um, right away, he looked at my feet and says, you've done some other martial art, feet is wrong, what was it? Mm. Right away. And I said, uh, uh, I, was a, I was a fencer back in university, I was an epi fencer. He's like, okay, unlearn. Uh -huh. <laughs> you know, yep. and, and I did, right? Yep. But I could see very much, you know, there's multiple correct in different martial arts places to put your feet, probably, a you know, a high level grandmaster might even yeah. be able to move and, and flow between styles, but you maybe wouldn't want to, yeah. there, there's things that compete, right? There's things that compete, you know, for whatever your neural connections and like how you place your foot, if you're squaring up against somebody is, is one of those and how you type is one of those. So for things like that, maybe, maybe that is, if you're sure you're switching over, you're not just, just playing around and testing it out, then maybe you just get in the cold pool yeah. and, and become a cold, cold weather cold weather swimmer until uh, until you adapt? Um, I can definitely see, I think the more the skill, this is, this is a theory here, this is just what comes to mind, but I think the more the skill that you're learning is something that um, relies on muscle memory and on some really fast, um, you're, not actively, you're not actively processing. Like you could learn a different method of multiplication alongside your regular method of multiplication and they wouldn't interfere with each other mm. and you could switch back and forth because you're like slow processing this thing as you do it but um, for muscle memory for example like learning a specific punch or anything along those lines where you don't really have time to think about it it just happens you like your 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 brain just does the thing it has done more often i guess it it it, it defaults to to a certain movement pattern um, there I would really think that trying to do two things at the same time is, is going to be challenging. Yeah, it makes a lot of sense. All right, so back to the top. Um, 
this sounds almost kind of obvious, but you know, we're going to have probably some, some younger listeners, maybe, maybe somebody 16, 17, 18. Um, I feel like sometimes like young people are a little, little intimidated about trying a new thing and feeling like a dummy and am I a big dumb idiot or whatever. Obviously we, we've been around the block a little more. I'm trying to remember back to when I was a teenager, it feels like a long time ago. Like when I was first a teenager, there was like internet was like a new, new hot thing. Wi-Fi didn't exist. Motorola Razor was the cool phone. You know what I mean? So this yeah. is a long time ago, but you know, there's going to be some young people that decide they do some skill acquisition thing. And you know, I feel like when you've been around the block, you're just like, you sign up for like, Hey, this is going to suck for a little while. And you're just like, all right, that's what I'm signing up for. It won't be forever. And I'm just going to get through it. Any thing about the mentality, obviously you did this after you're a pretty established guy that had built some mastery in some different places, but anything about like not making a big deal out of it, giving it appropriate seriousness, but not being intimidated by it, anything like that for the, for the younger listener that's going to be doing some new skill acquisition. Um, yeah, I, I think, Hey, I think it's a really worthwhile, almost, almost pick anything. If you, if you're young enough where you, there aren't really a lot of things that you have picked up like that. I think just picking up anything and, and sticking with it and, and becoming decent at it will teach you that, hey, if you just pick this one thing randomly, maybe you pick the next thing more deliberately or you could pick anything really. Like uh, get, getting an understanding that you can go from a state where you didn't know a thing and you couldn't do it to a state where you can do a thing and you know how it works is almost magical. And I remember when, I don't know, when that happened for me when I was young, when I realized, hey, I can go from this moment in time where I, there is this thing and it almost looks it's like, like a mountain to climb, like a giant thing. And then fast forward a certain amount into the future, it could be three months or it could be a year, all of a sudden I can do this thing. Uh, this happened, you know, like language learning is one thing. I, I moved to, uh, to um, a Spanish-speaking country and I arrived and I could barely communicate at all. And then all of a sudden, a year later, you have conversations in that language. And it is quite magical when that happens. And uh, I, I hope that, I mean, I wish everybody can get that experience and, and, and get this, uh, the, the joy and pleasure of learning. And, and then how you did it. And amen to that. And how you did it was you started with some, you signed up for that period of like, I suck and I don't know what I'm doing. Right. And you gave yourself some small training exercises to get acclimated. So you found the best practices on training. The, the glory of the internet is just about anything right. that there's a significant number of people in the world. Yeah. It doesn't even have to be that big. Yeah. Know how to do woodworking, cooking, yeah. playing a musical instrument, learning a language. Um, all sorts of uh, specific craft and, and construction and doing things related skills, yep. programming, arts, design, yep. all sorts of stuff. You find some training exercises by somebody reputable. You look around. That's another skill to get good at is how to research and find what's good. Mm -hmm. But, you know, it's not necessarily the top thing on Google, but you poke around you check out the reviews. You look at the communities of people that practice. Yeah. You find it. You did those. Right. You went up the the, the, the fun part of the hill quickly, but then you were on the not fun plateau where you still weren't as fast as a QWERTY typer and the improvement wasn't fast and rapid. But as we discussed, as you told us, you were making progress. It was just kind of underneath the surface. And then yeah. you saw kind of an explosion of, of action on the other side once your neurons had remyelinated better, whatever. Right. And that's maybe an, actually an interesting point here to make. 
um, I would say the learning phase, the actual like me starting to to reprogram the way I type to the to the point where um, it was now I, I could now type and I didn't actively have to I, I went from learning to using and the initially it was like 80% learning 20% using and then it flipped where it's 90% I'm now using the, the new thing I'm typing I'm still learning but now the learning is a background thing that just happens automatically that period of time took about four weeks I would say um, my initial research into deciding what exactly I wanted to learn is it this or that other keyboard layout and then looking at what is the best approach to do it took maybe three days at the beginning of the project so just in terms of getting the scales right I think three days of of how to learn and then about a month of actually implementing yeah and, that, and this will vary a little bit from field to field if there's safety Absolutely. considerations yeah. motorcycle riding is a little different whatever yeah. right um but but yeah i think i think a lot of times people think it's going to be uglier than it is hey how long were you on the plateau for by the way before the 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 the, the next wave of growth and improvement kicked in yeah. ballpark hey uh, i would say the final plateau was probably one third of the complete learning process so um 20 days of going up and then 10 days of really seeing barely any improvements and then rapid improvement. Oh, that month included the plateau. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. That's not bad at all, man. No, I mean, yeah. Um, after that month, I was... Basically, after that month, everything I did, I would type in Colmac and it wouldn't be... It would be fine. And then over time, I actually retested my, my typing speed like uh, maybe four weeks ago and they, they have gone up and my error rate has gone down. It's really great when you get to that point where um, yeah, you're just using the new thing and uh, the learnings are now happening in the background. And I will probably continue to become better at Colmec for the, you know, the same way with QWERTY for like the next five years of, of my life. I will slowly um, you know, shave a little bit of my error rate and, and increase my words per minute slightly over time. Right. And if you ever wanted to enter into a Colmac competition, then you'd have to do a deep study I, and film yeah. your fingers mm -hmm. and probably master or whatever. Yeah. But yeah. yeah, but getting up to the the high intermediate, low expert level once you get through those beginner things is not that bad. And then then automatic gains for, for quite a while. Um, Chris, this was absolutely a delightful show for the listener. Um, yeah, this is about switching to, from QWERTY to Colmac, but I think the real magic in, in hearing this was that Chris developed a, it sounds like you developed a pattern for yourself for what learning looks like. And you have a model yeah. that you can kind of overlay. Different skills will vary their complexity, safety requirements, whatever. Yeah. But it seems like you can overlay that for the rest of your life. You're probably a better learner for the rest of your life, not just a better typer. I think so. Um, if ever I pick something else up, I now have a good understanding of what the landscape might look like. I'm not going to get, you know, discouraged or frustrated as easily if I hit a plateau because I know that I have a good, um, you know, I have some good faith now that there is going to be light at the end of the tunnel. Rock and roll. This was a super fun show. Thank you, Chris. Thank you.
And uh, thank you, dear listener, and all of your skill acquisition endeavors and building your life up. Chris and I and everybody ultra working is always wishing you the best. If you found this show interesting, or if you have a skill, by the way, that you went through a similar process, we'd love to hear about it. Chris and I are so curious about this. Just email us, podcast at ultraworking.com. We're friendly enough people. Sometimes people think we're really hardcore. Chris is talking about reprogramming how his uh, brain and fingers work, but we love, we love hearing when people are winning and, and on the path. So shoot us an email, podcast at ultraworking.com. Big thanks to Chris and big thanks to you for listening. As always, be well.